Hello out there, and thanks for joining me. My name is Dan Roberts, and today we are going to give understanding veterans and some of the difficulties they have integrating into civilian society one more think. Now, before I launch into the topic, I want to apologize for my brief absence I have had. I am currently located in Europe and doing some Army Reservist duty with my unit over here in Germany. I had hoped to not miss a beat and to keep up the episodes without even having a gap, but that hope was overly ambitious, so I have to admit that my wife was right, that it was just too much to do, and I just had too many other things going on and couldn't keep up with it. But the dust has started to settle now, and I'm back to a point where I can uh, start recording more episodes. So I apologize for being away, and I thank those of you who have been following the podcast for all your support and loyalty, and I hope I didn't lose you as listeners. So the topic I wanted to cover today is one that's been brought up multiple times by uh, clients of mine, veterans themselves who have very frequently tended to struggle with what they perceive as a lack of being understood by civilians and the difficulty moving from a military lifestyle into the civilian society. And I've talked with multiple veterans about this and had my own experiences as a veteran transitioning into civilian life. So I just wanted to share my thoughts in the hopes that, A, if you're a civilian who has a veteran in your life, that you might be able to better understand them and maybe be a little more cautious or judicious in your approaches to them about this topic. And B, if you're a veteran yourself, just to let you know that you're not alone. There's a lot of us out there who are dealing with this or having experiences like this. So the question essentially boils down to why do veterans have such a hard time integrating with civilian society once they hang up the uniform? And as a civilian, what can you do to better understand them, to better interface with them? The main thing that I hear from veterans when they're talking about working around or with civilians, family or friends, doesn't matter, uh, is that civilians tend to ask what is frequently referred to as stupid questions or stupid civilian questions. And the questions themselves aren't stupid by any means. But to a veteran's ears, they come across as being extremely naive. And the questions are usually along the lines of, hey, what was it like over there? Or what's it like to be in the army? Or, you know, to the extreme end, I know many people, and I've been asked this myself, who were asked by civilians, when they find out that you've been in the military, they ask you, did you kill anybody? And to be fair, those are fair questions. Anybody who likes you and wants to know more about you is going to ask you what your experiences were like, especially if it's an, if it's an experience that that person's never had. But all good intentions aside, those questions are painful for a veteran to answer because war means your friends die. And as innocent as the intention might be, simply looking for information, if a civilian asks a veteran what the war was like, they may not be aware that they're asking the veteran to go into their most painful memories over the for, for no better cause than a simple casual conversation to make small talk. These are not kinds of things that we want to make small talk about. 
when the civilian asks a veteran, what was the war like or what was it like over there? You could easily be asking that person, what was it like when your friend was blown up and you had to pick up the pieces? That question that you can ask out of casual curiosity can bring up horrible memories for a veteran. And that's almost never the intent. I want to think that's never actually the intent of the question. And yet that's what the question does to the veteran who has to answer it. One of the other problems is, even if you're not dredging up a painful memory with the question, quite often civilians wouldn't understand my answer even if I told them. It's a place you have to be. I mean, imagine if I found out you were born in Madagascar and I asked you what it was like to live in Madagascar. Is that a question you could even answer? And if you did, could I understand the answer? Combat is not like another world. It's like another planet. If you've been there, you know. If you haven't, you can't know. So to that end, if you're talking with a veteran and you find out that they've been deployed, let them lead the conversation. You can ask them more pointed questions, actually. You can ask them what their job was or where they were on the map. But asking qualitative questions, how was it, what was it like, that's not always going to, but often will, bring up painful things that they may not want to talk to you about. So just be circumspect about that. Be aware that that's in the mix whenever you're talking with a veteran. Another thing that civilians tend to not understand or that is hard for veterans to navigate when they get out of the military is that the civilian world does not offer the same level of camaraderie and bonding that is almost automatic in military units. In the military service that I had, even serving with medical units like I did, and with the 101st Airborne Division, even if you're not in a combat role, you're training together. You see these people every day. You see them at their worst and at their best. We go to the gym together. We work out together. You sweat and bleed together with a unit for years at a time. And the bonds that are formed during that training are already strong enough, but then you go into harm's way and you go into combat and have these incredibly intense emotional experiences with these same people that forms bonds and attachments that go beyond friendship, that border on family, and in some cases are even stronger than and more permanent than family. The teammates, co-workers, family, friends, etc. that we have in the civilian world, those connections will rarely come close to the bonds that we form with our battle buddies, our comrades in arms. And I think that's hard for civilians to understand. I know I wouldn't have understood it before I put on the uniform and, and deployed. It wouldn't have made sense to me. It would have seemed like a, f a fairy tale or a fiction, but it's very genuinely true. And when you've reached that level of loyalty with someone, it's hard to then step down and be happy with a much more casual acquaintance or a friendship. It's hard to value those casual throwaway connections once you've had a deep and meaningful connection with somebody like we have in our military units. 
And this is not anybody's fault. It's not like civilians are doing anything wrong. It's just that we experience something while wearing the uniform that can't be replicated anywhere else. And that as a result, the things the civilian world has to offer us feel shallow and superficial. Um, I imagine this is probably the same among firefighters and police officers who serve together with each other and have life-threatening experiences and who save each other's lives. Well, none of my neighbors are going to save my life. But some members of my unit very much did work to keep me alive on a daily basis, and I worked to keep them alive. That's very difficult to replicate in the civilian world. So as a civilian, if you have a veteran in your life, understand that what you might perceive as them being distant or aloof is not because they don't like you. It's because they think and understand there's an intuition that you won't understand them and that all your efforts to understand them are, might fail unless you've been uh, in combat yourself. Even then, if you work through to the point where you feel like you can understand them and you form a relationship with them and uh, some kind of a connection, it needs to be understood that no matter how good friends you are, there will always be part of them that you cannot access, but that their battle buddies have automatic access to. Some people take offense to that. They feel threatened by that. And I would simply say, this is part of who the veteran is, and it needs to be understood that this part is permanent to their personality. And if, you're feel, if you feel threatened by that, then maybe you need to take a step back and understand that you're asking for permission to enter territory to which you don't have the rights. Another less heavy topic, another less complicated reason why uh, some veterans have a hard time transitioning is that all around the military, we have clear indicators of accomplishment. First off, the, the most obvious is our rank system. We know who's who in the zoo. We understand where we are in this uh, multiple layers of structure and rank simply by looking at somebody. But civilians don't have that. And they don't understand how those military accomplishments work in a general sense. That's been my experience. So, for instance, if I say that there's a three-year sergeant in my formation, everybody who's in the formation understands that that is somebody who is a high-speed, low-drag, really effective individual, but civilians wouldn't understand what I was talking about at all for the most part. So in the military, we have this whole culture of names and titles and accomplishments that the rest of the world doesn't even understand. There are medals that we earn that seem impressive. They look good on the uniform, but they don't really mean much. There's a, uh, a medal called an Army Achievement Medal or uh, an Army Commendation. And those are medals that are usually given to just about everyone when they PCS. Sometimes getting that medal can even be an insult, right? If you've done high-level work and you're rewarded with a low-level medal, that does not feel like a compliment. And then there are others that are a really big deal. I mean, obviously, everybody knows the Medal of Honor, but getting a silver star is a very big deal. Getting an MSM is also a big deal, but civilians aren't going to know that. And it's difficult to have to explain to somebody not only what your accomplishments were, but then to explain to them that your accomplishments were a big deal. 
that smacks of arrogance. And I don't know anybody who's going to want to have to tell the whole story every time somebody asks them, so how, how well did you do in the military? That question's hard to answer, except for by get, holding up you know, concrete accomplishments like medals and awards. But if the civilians don't even understand what the medals and awards mean that you got, that's kind of an empty conversation, which is why so many veterans that I've met have a hard time even bringing those things up or talking about what they did, the awards they got, the medals that they earned, because most of the times the audience doesn't even understand the answer. And again, as a civilian, this is not your fault. But it's something like, imagine someone being a gifted poet in their native language and then being asked to translate their work into somebody else's language. What is beautiful and meaningful and elegant in your native tongue will not translate into another. And the process is often clumsy and even demeaning when we try. And the only fix for this one, I guess, that I would say is take the time to actually let the veteran try to explain his world and understand if the ex explanation just isn't worth the effort. Because there are some things that we cannot explain to certainly to casual acquaintances, someone you might bump into on the street. It's just not worth the effort. And again, this might come off as being cold or aloof. And I don't think that's the point. I don't think we're trying to be antisocial or trying to be hard to approach. Rather, I think the general thrust of it is we're trying to not start something that in the end would amount to empty gesture, really. There's another thing that I think uh, is super well intended, almost always comes from a very good place when civilians say this to me. But I, as a, as a veteran, have quite often had mixed reactions to it internally. And that's, as soon as anybody finds out that I'm a veteran, it's almost like they feel compelled to say, uh, to thank me for my service. And it is a nice thing to say. But it's become so generic as to have almost no meaning. It's like the have a nice day you get when you're leaving Walmart. So I'm not suggesting that civilians stop saying this to veterans. But I am suggesting that we know that you don't know what you're thanking us for. Our service, quote unquote, is many different things. We have a lot of different jobs. Some of them are in the real heat of combat and some of them never get even within miles of the fight. Civilians almost never know what we actually did and they almost never ask. And that might be a really nice question to add into the mix when you're talking with a veteran. Instead of simply saying, thanks for your service, it might be nice to, find, to have a, a civilian ask me what I did in the Army. And then, then I could tell them that I was a behavioral health officer, which they're still not going to know what that is, but at least it's some context now. They've gotten information. They've tried to find out what they're thanking me for doing. That would feel a lot more genuine, a lot more heartfelt than the obligatory thank you for your service. That's just something to think about. And then also in general, maybe some pointers about how to talk to veterans. Maybe don't ask us questions unless you really want the answers and you have the time to let us tell you. And then if you can get a veteran to actually trust you enough to really talk, 
Really listen. Talking about our service in uniform is not a cheap or easy thing to do. Some of that stuff is very painful for us to dig up. So if we like you enough to talk about it with you, then do us the service of shutting your pie hole and letting us tell our story. It is not a time for you to dig up the stuff that you did too. If you start that kind of nonsense, we're just going to clam down and never trust you to talk about it again. But in that rare moment, if you can get a veteran to start talking about what happened downrange or overseas, really take the time to listen and listen to be understanding. Then that veteran might see in you a person who can be trusted and open up to you more often. And far too often, though, the civilians that we come into contact with are just trying to make small talk out of the most sacred, important, scary, traumatic events of our lives. And I don't think many veterans are willing to let those events be the realm of small talk. For us as veterans, when we get out of the military, it can be very difficult to navigate civilian world because we have all of these things with us all the time. We have the memories of the camaraderie and the amazing relationships that we had while we were in the service, and we regret not being able to form those with whoever we work with now. We don't expect to, but I think this makes us biased and somewhat prejudiced against the new people we will work with and our new neighbors and all these other people we will associate with as civilians it biases us against those encounters because we don't expect them to be as, de- as deep, as rich, or as meaningful as those we had while in the service. And then in far too many cases, it's hard for us to make friends because the friends we made in the military and had such tight bonds with are also the ones we had to bury. So making friends becomes a very expensive, emotionally difficult prospect for many veterans. And then there's a special element for the Vietnam guys, the ones who served a politically unpopular war and who came back and got spat on and insulted and had all sorts of reasons to never let anyone know what they did and what they saw when they were serving. For these guys, it's especially difficult. As many of them come into their later years now, and have grandchildren and are starting to be mindful of their legacies, it's tough for them to know who they can share that legacy with. They don't want to tell their grandkids because they don't want to be a monster or scary in their grandchildren's eyes. And yet they also need to have their own experiences validated. If you can learn to listen and not judge and to actually evoke the stories from your grandpa or uncle, whoever served in Vietnam, you might be very richly rewarded if you can get that person to actually believe that they can trust you enough with this story and with that element of their lives. There are certainly amazing deeds that have been done that some veterans haven't even told their wives or children. Incredible stories of courage and perseverance and faith and friendship that never get told because the context is too complicated for the listener to understand. 
I would definitely encourage anyone who hears these words to try it out, to see if you can get one of these older veterans to open up. Understand that they're probably going to tell you no, that they're not interested in talking about their story. But if you buy them a drink, sit down with them and ask them for some time, you may find somebody very eager and willing to talk about what they experienced downrange. But they just lacked the context. They lacked an environment that was serious enough and sacred enough to start talking about these things for real. Because, like I've said before, we don't talk about this stuff casually. It's not small talk territory. But if you really want to get to know us and spend the time and the investment in us, then we might trust you. We might take you to those dark places and give you a sense of what it was like. I really wish I had, while he was still alive, taken the time to talk with my grandpa more in detail about his experiences from World War II. I got the same feeling from him. He wouldn't talk about World War II in any kind of depth. And it seemed like he didn't want to talk about it, so I never pushed. And now, now the time has passed. And I won't be able to hear those stories from him, at least not in this life. And I really wish I had. I didn't know how to create the environment at the time, and now I do. So if you're in the sound of my voice and you have someone in your life who has served and seems a little different, has a hard time connecting, I encourage you, actually, to try to take the time to create the space where you can talk about these things with your veteran. And if they're willing and if they're able to go back into these memories and, and, re- and tell them to you and share these stories... It will enrich your life by, uh, for certain. It will also enrich their life to know that there is somebody out there they can tell this stuff to, that they don't have to carry it permanently by themselves. Okay. Well, I could probably go on for a long time. Crusty old veterans are hard to be around. We, uh, <laughs> I think some of us take pride in that. Um, But in general, although the experiences of the veteran are from a different world, the veteran themselves is just from the street, is just from down the street. It's always, they're still the same guy you grew up with. They've just seen things that you haven't seen, done things you haven't done. If you want to reconnect with the guy you grew up with or the husband who seems different now that he's come back from Afghanistan or Iraq. It can be done, but it must be done seriously and given the due time and gravity that it deserves. Well, okay. That's enough for today. Thank you very much for your time and for listening, and thank you for your continued support. I'm Dan Roberts, and this has been One More Think. Let's take care of each other. Thank mm-hmm. you.